Welcome back, my fellow creatives. I'm here on You've Got Five Pages to Tell Me It's Good to see if a new release at my local library can indeed, in five pages, tell me it's good. Because let's face it, as working writers and picky readers, we don't got time to waste. We really don't. So, as I mentioned in my episode last week, I got a slew of new releases from the new release shelf that seemed to be all mystery related, and I thought, what better way to start the new year? Just get some mysteries, cozy up, because uh, I am in the Midwest if my accent didn't make that obvious. And so, in these cold months, it's so nice to just have a mystery to enjoy with a blanket and some tea or cocoa or whatever it is you like. Now, today I have Kimberly Bell's The Personal Assistant. I do not know Kimberly Bell's other work. She seems to be quite the to-do. As I look at the back cover of kudos that are all over the back, um, the premise is very fitting for the here and now. Because in glancing at the dust jacket, I mean, it's a very, the cover is a very ominous female's eyes gazing through blinds. I mean, that could be anything, <laughs> anything ominous. Um, but it seems to have to do with the disappearance of an influencer's assistant. And influencers, right off the bat, that's definitely something that has been more common because of social media being paid to do things on social media over the last few years so part of me is kind of intrigued to find out if such a story like this is going to feel dated um in the next few years because of how social media trends rise and fall i could be completely wrong about that though i, I could, it could just because be because i'm a cantankerous so-and-so who is sitting on a folding chair at the opening of her garage and just angrily shaking her fist at the world and saying get off my lawn so i i'm that's probably because i'm like that but still there is definitely a good premise to a workplace relationship that never really involved in-person contact and now suddenly a half of that relationship is gone without cause. And because it was virtual, who knows what was truly on the other side? You don't. So I can see how there was some intrigue to, to, to explore this idea. Let's see how Kimberly Bell did it. All right, opening page of the personal assistant. Concern it, there's a prologue. I have not been shy about my dislike of prologues. That said, it does seem to at least be relatively short. It is all of two pages. Okay. Let's see if we can work our way through this. <clears throat> this is how it begins. Flying down a country road. Windows down, music blaring. An old journey classic, one she knew by heart. She belted the lyrics into the warm wind. The road she was flying down was like all the others in this godforsaken chunk of southern Georgia. Two faded lines slicing through endless pecan fields, and she took the curves faster than she should. 
running with the devil, her father would say if he were here. But it was the perfect fall day, and her hair was flying, and the guitar riff made her think of her brother, who she missed like crazy. She wondered if he was even alive out there on the West Coast, and, if so, how a southern boy like him could survive in all that constant rain and gloomy green. Up ahead, a truck lurched out of the field, lugging a belly piled high with nuts on the way to the factory. It turned her way, engine puffing up twin clouds of exhaust as it lumbered straight at her, its wide girth eating up the asphalt. She gripped the wheel, her right tires hugging the shoulder. This country road wasn't big enough for them both. The truck driver didn't slow. Didn't move over either, though he lifted a hand in a friendly wave. There wasn't much she agreed about with her father these days, but he was right about the pecan farmers. They already owned enough of this country. The least they could do was share the damn road. Suddenly, they were side by side. The trash bag she'd taped over the busted back window flapped and pulled, then blew off entirely when the truck missed her by a hair, flooding the car with stinky exhaust. He blew past, and she blew out a big breath, her fingers relaxing on the wheel just long enough for the back tire to slip off the asphalt. It spun in the shoulder for a second or two, then exploded with a spectacular pop. The Honda lurched to a messy stop, dumping yesterday's big gulp into her lap. She ignored the mess because she had bigger problems. She didn't need to look to know her back tire lay in tattered ribbons across the road or that the truck was long gone. The air reeked of burnt rubber and pecans. Well, hell. She couldn't afford a new tire. She couldn't even afford an old junky one from Wade up at the dump, who she still owed 50 bucks to for her last tire. The hotel where she worked was a good five miles from here, and it's not like her asshole boss offered sick days. You don't work, you don't get paid. It was simple as that. She rested her forehead on the wheel and thought through her options, but she didn't like any of them. Her father was no help. The last time she asked him for a loan, he called her a whore and a devil child, and she wasn't looking for a repeat scolding. She couldn't hi hitchhike, not in this getup. An up-to-there dress that could do double duty as a costume for a slutty maid. Hitchhiking was how girls like her got into trouble. So, walk then? She groaned, lifting her feet from the floorboard where a slice of toe peeked through the hole of her battered flats. So far, I really, really hate this day. She didn't hear the car sidle up alongside her until it was already there, motor purring in her ear. She lifted her head, looking into a window as black and smooth as a mirror. Ugh. Her own face staring back. With a whir, it lowered to reveal a man. Dark hair, square chin, sharp cheekbones under shiny shades. Her very own knight in shining armor. He whipped off the sunglasses and tossed them on the console. Looks like you could use some help. End of prologue. Alright, I read the whole thing in one go because I will give Kimberly Bell this. We clearly have a good scene. We are getting it from the perspective of this driver. We don't have her name, so we don't know who this is. Considering we are dealing with two characters for sure the influencer and the assistant we're wondering who who this girl could be could this be the influencer 
coming up? Could this be the assistant before she becomes an assistant? We don't know. So there's a bit of that. We have our mystery box, as the great J.J. Abrams likes to put it, uh, of who this girl could be. We also have a mysterious man show up. Um, and and I, I, I apologize for my ugh, but the, the simile of smooth as a mirror. Yes, we've, we've all heard that. We, we really didn't need that if she can clearly see her own face staring back. But other than that, I mean, there's a lot of solid action writing here. Very clear, descriptive uh, language. The pacing of the movement with... Uh, the pecan truck coming and then being side by side and then her car um, losing control and a tire blowing out. That was really well paced. Like it, she did not jumble so much together that we couldn't follow this moment. So I'll give Kimberly Bell all the kudos for that. I'm just still wondering why on earth we need this prologue. Because here's the thing that bothers me with prologues. In case you were wondering why on earth I have this issue with prologues. More often than not, it seems that writers use prologues because they know their first chapter isn't going to get a reader's attention. Because for whatever reason, the first chapter is going to move too slow or it's going to have too much um, establishment info to hold a reader. So you have to build a mystery box, a moment of intrigue, a ominous, an ominous foreshadowing with a prologue so that people are willing to slog through a boring first chapter to find out the, um, the fruition uh, that the prologue promises. That's why I have a problem with the prologue. And so considering the, the solid action and writing here and the mysterious two characters we have in the prologue, I am admittedly worried that the first chapter is going to be dull. Bluntly put. And the fact that we have here a point of view heading with the chapter makes me worried as well because I don't like lots of head hopping. Not that it's bad to move between different characters. The danger is when the author doesn't have distinctive enough voices for those characters. It's tough. I mean, I, I still remember I bashed Agatha Christie for when she clearly did not have the uh, investment in a, what was it, Hercule Poirot's Christmas? Because there was a ton of head hopping in there and everyone sounded the same. And it's like, what, why even do this? I have a problem with another author that I saw this problem. I'll say it was Veronica Roth in one of her Divergent books. I want to say it was the third one where you're changing between the two protagonists and they sounded the exact same. So I'm really hoping Kimberly Bell does not do that. So chapter one, Alex. I know the second I crack an eye that the day is going to be brutal. Hot and muggy, the kind of heat that gathers into thick clouds that turn violent later in the afternoon. I feel it before I am fully awake, the low pressure clanging in my temples. Then again, that's probably just the tequila. 
Pictures flash through my head. Stop, start images from last night. Me, disco dancing around the kitchen. AC pouring shot after shot. My husband, Patrick, watching with a grin. Oh God, AC, my social media assistant and operations assistant and every other assistant you can imagine. My work wife and right-hand gal. Remorse creeps in as I roll to my side, breathing through a wave of nausea. I'm supposed to be the responsible one, the older and wiser boss who sets an example, not her drinking buddy. That last shot was a mistake. And I'll pause here. I thought these two hadn't met in person. But I guess they do. Okay. Well, then that adds a little extra to the intrigue then. Gotcha. No, the mistake was the half dozen that came before it and the way I tossed them back one after the other. Boom, 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 like a sorority sister on a mission. I should have stopped after the first one, well before AC's face started turning fuzzy around the edges. On the nightstand, two white Excedrin flank a sweaty bottle of water. Patrick, my hero. With a grateful groan, I dropped them out with my tongue and turned the bottle up. But at the mo movement, or the certain surge of liquid, my stomach flips and rolls. For a few hairy seconds, I wonder if I will keep them down. I stare at the ceiling and talk my stomach off the ledge, consoling myself with the reason I was celebrating in the first place. One million followers. Even serious stoic Patrick had to blink twice when I shoved my phone in his face. His eyes bulged at the digits atop my Instagram page, a number that after so many months refusing to budge, finally flipped into surreal territory. The thought set off a chirp in my chest, a familiar fizzle and pop behind my breastbone. One million freaking followers, and they're following me! At unapologetically, Alex. <sighs> I don't get it, Patrick said the first time my frame eclipsed his when a fan handed him her phone and asked for a picture with me. What are you selling? Some mantra about staying positive in a house with two hormonal girl monsters? A motivational meme you pilfered from the internet and slapped your logo on? Don't take this the wrong way, but why is that woman grinning like she just met Beyonce? Patrick doesn't understand the charm of unapologetically Alex because he's a numbers guy, a self-made money man who dishes financial strategies on the nightly news. He covers topics like how to become a millionaire before the age of 22, how to cultivate real wealth and lifelong financial freedom, how to never work for anyone but yourself ever again. For my husband's brilliance, the world of insta-influencers is as real to him as the tooth fairy. It's like trying to explain the appeal of cats to a dog person. I have to pause here. First of all, because I feel like there is already a little conflict, a little teeny tiny seed of conflict being established, which I, I appreciate, in that the husband patrick just who apparently wasn't thinking about this much before when her following so the number of people paying attention to her is a larger number than the people following him he comes off pretty dismissive about it some mantra about staying positive blah 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 and yeah there's I could, we can all understand and, and appreciate a bit of skepticism there. And yet, in the next paragraph, when Kimberly Bell describes what Patrick does, 
it's very much in the same vein. It's rather than it, it, instead of uh, just being motivational messages, it's financially motivated messages that Patrick is into and the whole get rich quick type stuff. So I, I find it intriguing that we have here two people who are definitely making a living off of the ether. I'm definitely one of those people that's got to be present for what I'm doing, <laughs> for earning and whatnot. Um, but I, I like that because now, while it sounds like she she called Patrick earlier, her hero at the same time, there does sound like there's a little bit of conflict. It, it reminds me a little bit of the Hollises, Rachel Hollis, and her husband. Dave Hollis there. Well, ex-husband. I know they're divorced now, but that's the thing. Like her, you know, he was an executive and then she took off social media wise. And then he left his executive thing to become another social media person. And ever since they've split, they've never really been able to make the social media thing work again. So I find this interesting. It feels like we have a little bit of that here. So what could conflict do to livelihoods that depend on image and selling a life. I, I wonder what conflict would do to that. The only thing Patrick understands about my job is the financials. How for every 10,000 followers I have, I can demand a higher price for sponsored content. How when those followers are engaged, watching my videos, liking my posts and commenting, I can demand even more. And I'm not going to lie, after years of raising two girls on my own, without a penny or pat on the back from their father, the money is the best part. Hmm. Another sign of conflict. But that night in the restaurant, after my fangirl left, I did my best to explain the rest. She's grinning because I'm not a rock star. I am her cheerleader, the person who believes more in her than she believes in herself. I'm the woman she could be if she just learned to live unapologetically. It's my slogan, the one I close out every post and video with. That's why she's so excited, because she's me, I'm her, we are the same person. She's you? Patrick looked over, and sure enough, there he was. she was, typing away happily on her phone, uploading the picture he had just taken of us. She doesn't look anything like you. It's not about looks, but how I make her feel. She and all the millions of women just like her are sick of scrolling Instagram and feeling shitty about themselves as a result. Why do women insist on comparing ourselves to people we don't know and will likely never meet? When did external validation become prerequisite for our inner peace? Doubt, stresses, anxieties, expectations, comparisons. Let all that shit go. Live your own life. Be your own person. Show the world your authentic badass self and the rest will come. You are perfect as you are. Oh my heavens, this is totally Rachel Hollis. I gotta be done. No wonder she had a prologue. Because I'm guessing Kimberly Bell knew that she would have to establish how on earth an influencer does make any money to help establish what 
the social media business kind of thing would be like so that we understand what would be at stake if something ever goes wrong with the social media presence. Ugh. I mean, the, the writing itself is fine. I, I'm not going to argue there, but this... I, I don't need another premise about influencers blowing up on each other or imploding, I should say. Maybe maybe that has nothing to do with what the when the virtual assistant personal assistant disappears, but I I honestly I don't I I am not invested. And if you are keen on that realm Hey, I'm sure you'll enjoy this because again, it's well written. That prologue clearly told me Kimberly Bell knows how to write a well-paced story. Like I'm curious if her other stories deal with something less in the social media realm, and uh, that could be a really fun read. I, I have, I don't, I do not doubt Bell's gifts at all, but. I, as a reader, am not invested in this kind of character. So I'm going to walk away from this one. But hey, if if you think the, the drama of influencers could be a lot of fun, especially when you throw a mystery into it, go for it. I, you will probably enjoy yourself then, and that's fine. I want to see what the other mysteries I brought home contain. So until then, read on, share on, and write on, my friends. Cheers.